the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. For joining us as we get started at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Wednesday, the sixth morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2019. The President of the United States had an opportunity last night to hit a home run for the American people, for his agenda, for everything that we voted for. The president had an opportunity last night at the State of the Union address with the entire world watching to tell the American people about all of the successes that we have enjoyed in the first two years of his presidency. The president had an opportunity to lay out a vision for the future of this country that will follow the same path of success. The President of the United States had a chance last night to tell the American people about the hypocrisy of the Democrats and to expose them for the liars and the anti-American sentiments that they harbor. He had a chance to do all of that on last night. He had a chance to do all of that last night, rather, and he had an opportunity to do it with everyone watching, not just conservative radio listeners, not just Fox News viewers or CRTV viewers. He had a chance to reach everybody on every network and make the case for what he has done and for what we want to see done. And you know what he did? He hit a grand freaking slam. That's what he did. Absolutely every single element of every single element that we wanted him to address, everything they wanted him to highlight, everything we wanted him to spotlight, everything that we wanted him to address, every criticism that he had to take on, he did all of it in what I think was clearly his best speech as president. I heard Hugh Hewitt last uh, hour talking about his uh, his uh, speech in Saudi Arabia and a couple of the other places uh, where he uh, on uh, foreign uh, visits where he has made strong statements and strong speeches in establishing US foreign policy and so on and so forth uh, but he said this is probably his best speech on the domestic front I don't think there's any probably to it, to be honest with you. I think this was easily the best speech President Trump has ever given. Look, he's never going to be a smooth orator. He's just not. He's clunky. He's clumsy. He he pauses in the wrong places. He gets things awkward in terms of introducing his guests and when they should stand and when they shouldn't, and then he ends up having to restate certain things. He's not a smooth delivery guy. It did not matter. He was spectacular last night in advancing the message of American unity. He offered that olive branch to the Democrats. He did tell everyone, this is about winning for the American people, not about winning for my party. It's not about Republicans. It's not about Democrats. It is about all of us. 
together. He said things that should have been unanimous in terms of the response. He said things that should have had every member of that uh, uh, congressional body in that chamber and their guests standing and applauding. And a few times, they did. But many times, of course, because the president was providing information, facts, statistics, and narratives that cannot be refuted, despite the best efforts of fact-checkers all over the Internet and in the media, they simply cannot refute the tremendous success that we are enjoying in this country. And those things should have drawn unanimous applause and standing ovations. And again, we got it a few times, but not nearly enough times, because the resistors in the Democrat Party were unified. They sat together, did the uh, Democrat women in Congress wearing white, what they called suffragette white, uh, for some strange reason. I don't really know exactly what they were trying to say. But they sat there on their hands. They mocked. They pretended to be asleep. They chit-chatted with one, one another while the president was speaking. They embarrassed themselves is what they did. And while the president was up there delivering a message that was an absolute grand slam, they looked even worse for it. The president had a number of items that he had to take care of. The president needed to tout the incredible success of the American economy. Check. The president needed to tout the incredible job numbers that have been made possible by the policies and the deregulations and the pro-growth policies established by the administration. Check. The president needed to point out that these were not just service sector jobs or low-wage jobs, the vast majority of which were in the Obama era, but that these are manufacturing jobs. They came back when it was. we were told it was impossible to bring them back. Check. The president needed to point out that wage growth is the highest that it has been in decades. Check. The tr- president needed to point out that black Americans, Latino Americans, and women, as well as Americans with disabilities, are all enjoying the lowest unemployment numbers in their respective categories in recorded history. Check. The president needed to point out that none of this would have been possible. None of it would have been possible without his guidance and his leadership and his willingness to deregulate, his willingness to expand our business uh, enterprises, his willingness to lower the taxes on the job creators, as well as each and every one of us. Check. The president listed all of those accomplishments. He also needed to point out that our their military has been rebuilt after being destroyed and taken apart piece by piece by the Obama administration. Check. He needed to point out that we have returned our hostages home from various locales around the globe as they have been held for, for, for years by governments that are enemies of the American people. Check. That he has broken through the ice of the frosty relationship and the, quite frankly, dangerous relationship that we have with certain dictators and tyrants around the world, such as Kim Jong-un. And those relationships are being improved and have led to more peaceful actions by 
Kim Jong-un. No missile tests in 15 months, an end to nuclear development, to our knowledge anyway. Check. The president needed to lay out all of the accomplishments. He did a phenomenal job of doing that. And weaving into those accomplishments, he also managed to talk about the agenda moving forward. Pointing out our successes because of immigration policy in the United States. But addressing the fact that if we do not correct the problems with our immigration policy in the United States... A lot of the wonderful stories we're telling, a lot of the growth, a lot of the advancement is going to be reversed. We absolutely need, we absolutely must ensure that we do not allow our southern border to be a sieve where people can just continue to flow through it at their whim or so many of the wonderful gains that we have made are going to be reversed. We have to build our border wall. We have to find a way to to enact comprehensive immigration reform, to deal with those who are already here, to also de- deal with visa overstays. And he checked that off the list, too. Now, again, was all of it smooth? No. Was enough of it clear? And I think that's an important word here. I think the president's job last night was to provide clarity of the administration's goals and its agenda. And I think we are much more clear on what the president wants to do in the next two years going forward, what his party wants to do. And we are also clear about the fact that these things are not exclusive to the Republican Party. These are not just things to benefit Republicans. These are things the president wants to implement to benefit all Americans. And he spent enough time applauding Democrats, giving them reasons to stand up. For crying out loud, the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, who is absolutely reviled by the American left, by the Democrats, especially by those white-wearing Democrat women congressmen, managed to get them on their feet chanting, USA, USA. He found a way to even reach them and get them on their feet. Probably against their will, but they couldn't not do it. The president did not do everything perfectly, but the president delivered a grand slam in the clutch when he needed to. This gives us an opportunity moving forward. This gives us an opportunity to get the American people behind the agenda rather than being part of the resistance. And according to the overnight surveys, it's working. 76% of those who watched the State of the Union address last night, according to a CBS survey, approved of the speech. 72% of those who watched last night uh, on other networks approved of this. Even CNN, where diehard Trump haters go to get their fix, the Trump derangement syndrome people. Even 59% of those who watched it on CNN, 59%, that's a strong number, approved of the president's performance and message in that speech. He needed to hit a home run. He did better than that. He hit a grand slam. The only thing missing, as far as I'm concerned, which I've been talking about for days and days, the only thing missing to me was visual aids, audio aids, 
play back Chuck Schumer's voice, play back Harry Reid's voice, play back Nancy Pelosi's voice, play back Barack Obama's, Hillary Clinton's, Bill Clinton's, and on down the line. Play back all of their words in which they declared support for strong border security, including fencing barriers walls in the past, and then turn and ask them, why did you change your mind? Is it because you hate me? That's the only thing I think he could have done that would have been better. But he made the decision to deliver a standard State of the Union address without those kinds of theatrics, and I, and I, and I have to respect that. That could have helped, but I have to respect that. I want to get your reaction today. I've got a lot of reactions on the president's, uh, to the President's State of the Union address. The agenda I will lay out this evening is not a Republican agenda or a Democrat agenda. It's the agenda of the American people. We meet tonight at a moment of unlimited potential. As we begin a new Congress, I stand here ready to work with you to achieve historic breakthroughs for all Americans. Millions of our fellow citizens are watching us now gathered in this great chamber hoping that we will govern not as two parties, but as one nation. There was the promised olive branch last night being offered by the president. Did the Democrats seize it? Of course they did not. The reaction and the rebuttal from Stacey Abrams kind of indicated that. So did some of the post-State of the Union address statements made by Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and others. But the president cannot be blamed. He cannot be accused of not trying to work with Democrats. He has been. He has been willing to compromise even on important matters such as the border wall or the border barriers. He has compromised. He has offered to negotiate. They have resisted and rejected virtually everything. And it was important for the president last night to put that on the world stage. And he did exactly that. All right, reactions from you at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Diane in Bay Village. Diane, you're up first. Go right ahead. Hi, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. A couple things. I think President Trump did an outstanding job last night. Stacey Abrams, which was typical, did a lousy job. Um, regarding the uh, student from Covington that had the smirk on his face, if you want to see a more evil smirk, you have to look at Chuck Schumer. YouTube, when the camera went to him at the speech, positively evil. And I think uh, Nancy Pelosi has taken so much Botox it's finally in the musculature <laughs> of her face, and she can no longer help sucking on her teeth or whatever it is she's doing. Um, Trump, all the way, 2020, 1,000%. Thanks. Diane, thank you for the call. Uh, and you're right, by the way, the reactions when the uh, cameras would pan to Schumer and obviously Pelosi right over his shoulder the entire time. 100% right. She had a smirk, uh, most of the time as well, but it was more of a condescending, like, you know, like, you know, the stuff that he's saying, we know it's trash. It was interesting, though, how you could see she tried to conduct like a maestro, like a, um, you know, like, uh, like she was working with an orchestra talking about the white wearing suffragette, uh, supporting women, uh, in the Democrat caucus. She was like, you know, it was almost like she had a baton and she was telling them when to rise and when to stand and when it was okay to applaud and when not to and so on. Many of them, by the way, followed her lead. Many of them did not. 
And sometimes when she was standing, they would then pan to the uh, Democrat uh, women in the audience and to find Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and others sitting in there with scowls on their faces. Um, but it was really interesting. This is why they didn't want to have the State of the Union address. This is why she disinvited or uninvited the president, because she was hoping she would not have to do it, do this. And this is exactly why. I said this after the president signed the short-term spending bills. I said, first, I was angry like everybody else because he essentially lost. You know, he promised he would not sign another spending bill without funding for the border wall. Then he went ahead and signed it to reopen the government. And at first, I was angry, but then I thought about it for a few minutes and said, wait a minute. This is the masterstroke. She won't let him give the speech to the American people on national TV, the State of the Union address, until the government's open. He needs to open the government so he can do exactly that. Get before the people and lay out the case of the wonderful accomplishments that we have seen thus far and get before the people and say, this is why we need to take that next step when it comes to immigration reform and more. So last night was what Nancy Pelosi feared the most, And it's what Donald Trump needed to take advantage of. And I think we saw examples of both. Nancy Pelosi did not want that to happen. You could tell by the awkwardness of the room. And President Trump knocked it out of the park. And I know that's an overused phrase. we got to switch to a different sport and say it was a slam dunk or a touchdown or something. But uh, but honestly, the President of the United States did exactly what he had to do. All right, it's coming up on 930. We're going to get to news. And on the other side of that, we've got some very good guests coming up. David Arredondo is the Vice Chairman of the Democrat, or excuse me, the Republican Party in uh, Lorain County. Rob Frost is the Chairman of the Republican Party in Cuyahoga County. And Kurt Schlichter is a Senior Columnist with TownHall.com. All coming up on the program to analyze the speech last night and of course i want to work you in as well 216-901-0945 back after this the answer 934 now we continue on am 1420 the answer the president of the united states making a strong statement one that needed to be said uh, needed to be made last night as the popularity of democrat socialists continues to grow uh at least in that segment of our country the president said guess what it's not going to work here in the united states we are alarmed by the new calls to adopt socialism in our country. America was founded on liberty and independence and not government coercion, domination, and control. We are born free and we will stay free. That was one of the strongest lines of the speech for me, as well as this one. Tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. When the cameras panned to both Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez after that line, it was sublime. It is something that I absolutely could not get enough of. David Arredondo joins us now, as promised, at 935. David is the vice chairman of the Republican Party in uh, Lorain County. And I asked him to come on and give us a little, little bit of a reaction and analysis of what he saw from the president last night. David, you've been very enthusiastic in your support of the president. You and I have uh, corresponded with one another uh, pretty regularly. And you said you have never been more fired up going into that speech last night. Tell me how you feel coming out of it. 
Well, I feel the the same way. Good morning, Bob, and uh, thank you very much for having me on here. It's uh, a pleasure. Yes, we, we spoke about the enthusiasm as a result of Monday having uh, a lunch with uh, Jim Jordan and about 40 of his closest friends here in Lorain County, and the enthusiasm of the room was very... Uh, very uh, telling, and, uh, you know, this was just a congressman who was getting the folks fired up. Never mind that <laughs> we would be with the president and f- feeling the same way. Well, that's how it was last night. Uh, you watched his speech, and you are a supporter of the president. Um, but, you know, the theme of the speech was supposed to be, or it was, a call for unity, uh, an effort to reach out to Repu- to Democrats and the Republicans, all Americans, that we be one country to resolve our differences. And despite the fact that we are so divided at perhaps uh, no other time in our history since the Civil War, we can still point to many of the successes, the economic su- successes, the foreign policy successes, um, you know, there was a lot that the president had to talk about. Some a Democrat complained to me. I thought this was only supposed to be an hour. And I says, well, there was a lot of successes to point out, and it took longer. <laughs> but uh, here's, here's my biggest take from that speech and the unity is the fact that we will never have a united country as long as you have a large segment of the population, meaning Democrats, some independents, even some Republicans, and the mainstream media that refuses to recognize Donald J. Trump as the duly elected president of the United States. And because they believe he was illegally installed by Putin and the Russian intelligence, they have no respect for him or the office of the presidency. And instead, he is to be resisted and disrespected. So... Not only that, they spare no effort to hate and demonize him. And the hatred is is really unbounded uh, of Trump. But it's not just of the president that it's hurled at. Anybody who supports the president and his policies is going to get that same kind of, uh, of vitriol. So, you know, this idea that, well, this is all Trump's fault because of his tweeting and and he's a racist and all this other, you remove Donald Trump tomorrow, and the same kind of animosity and hatred would still exist. And that is what is stopping us from being a united country. And I don't know where it's going to stop or how we're going to get back together again. But right now, I don't see any kind of a um, a movement of uniting our country, especially when you have openly uh, calls for uh, infanticide and socialism, extreme measures that will never be accepted by the American people. I was so glad to hear the president say that last last night in the uh, in the terms that he did. We will never be a socialist country because, the, David, and, and I don't know how you feel about this, but when you see the numbers um, of 76% of Democrats, there's a lot of Democrats in this country, all right? 76% of Democrats in a recent survey said that if she was eligible by age to, to run for president, 
they would vote for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She is further to the left on the socialist scale uh, than uh, than uh, uh, Bernie Sanders is. She has taken exactly. Bernie Sanders' exactly. ideas and, and made yeah. them somehow more radical and more extreme, and they're embracing that, David. So I feel like that in the Democrat Party, there is that move toward a socialist nation, and I was so glad to hear the president tell everybody it's not going to happen. And you know what else I thought was very key to that, uh, David? Nancy Pelosi applauded that. While, while yeah. Ocasio Cortez and Sanders sat there with just, you know, uh, you know, grumpy faces uh, about that, other Democrats applauded that, and that gave me some hope. Well, the Democrats are between a rock and a hard place uh, insofar as they have um, the far left that is kind of uh, trying to take over their, their party. There really aren't any moderating voices that are trying to uh, walk them back. You know, there's, there's no criticism of Ocasio from uh, her party. If there is, it's very, very small. They're going to be in a very difficult situation with their uh, presidential primary. And, uh, you know, I've almost, you know, I can say I've seen this movie before. It was 1972 when the Democrats, uh, the left uh, Democrats took over the party and nominated George McGovern. And uh, we saw how that ended up. David, that's a great point. We're talking to David Arredondo. He is the vice chairman of the uh, Republican Party out in Lorain County. Uh, what was your take on how he handled immigration, David? Um, you know, he sp- he did it in a he had a lot, multi-pronged approach. I thought. You know, he talked about the violent MS-13 uh, gang members and the murder that just happened on the New York subway by one of them. He talked about angel families and those who have lost loved ones. He spotlighted guests of his whose parents were murdered by illegal immigrants. So he talked about the danger. And then, of course, he pledged to get the wall built. This might be, to me, in my opinion, David, the one misstep here when he said, you know, they, they, everybody in this room at one time or another has said we should build a wall or barriers, uh, but they never got the right wall built. He said, I will get it built. Um, I feel like that was a direct challenge to the Democrats, one that is not going to work because they are going to take that and say, over my dead body, you will. I feel like maybe he should have said, why don't we work together to build what you said you wanted to build before? Maybe approach it with more of the, um, you know, uh, a little bit more of the carrot than the than the stick. Uh, what was your take on that? I, well, I think what he should have said is that prior to the the week before, there was, you know, they were talking before the shutdown ended. Uh, Congress was talking about how to how to uh, fix this. And as a matter of fact, the president came out, it was on that Saturday, a week before, in which he says, you provide funding for the wall, and I will extend um, a pathway for the DREAMers to be able to be uh, legalized, and that their status would be, uh, you know, they would be legalized at this point. At least for three years, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was a three-year protection that he was offering. Right. But then there would be more that would be coming down the road. Yeah. He needed to bring that up again, because I think that was that was lost two weeks, two, three weeks ago. He needed to say, look, you know, I'm willing to help.
949 now the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420 the answer. We are just silly with uh Cog or I mean with uh, Republican Party chairs today. The vice chair of the Dem- or, I don't know why I keep saying Democrats. The vice chair of the Republican Party of Lorain County, David Arredondo, joined us. And now, of course, our friend, the chairman of the Republican Party of Cuyahoga County, uh Rob Frost. Hey Rob, good to have you back, my friend. How are you? Hey Bob, good to be back on with you. All right, Robert, a lot to talk about. I want to talk about Lincoln Day and the dinner that is coming up. The Lincoln Day dinner is going to be on February 21st, as you and I discussed last week. It's a wonderful event. And uh, keynote speaker uh, Rob Portman is going to be addressing the attendees. We're looking forward to that. But before we get into that, Rob, um, you watched as closely as anybody did last night. Give me first your overall impression of what you got from the president last night, and then we'll talk about a few of the specifics. Sure. Uh, overall impression, it was a uh, it was a great speech. I think the president did exactly what he needed to do on the issue that had been on people's minds: the shutdown and the fight over building the border wall, which he has uh, he has said we're going to get it built. Now you all have ten days to figure out uh, if you are going to solve it, uh, or else I'll get it built. Uh, moving on, and then the rest of his speech was the the big vision uh, that he has of where we can move forward if. Uh, the parties are willing to work together to to get things done in the Congress and put legislation on his desk. So I thought he handled it uh, great, and you see that in the overnight polls. Uh, the people of uh, the United States agreed with him, liked the speech, and agree with him on the wall as well. Uh, so that's, uh, I think, quickly becoming a non-issue and a very much a losing issue for the Democrats. And uh, as you say, a lot, of, a lot of specifics then to talk about in this. Speech. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. But but to the point about unity, and I thought it was wonderful. He said, look, we our agenda is not a Republican agenda, and it's not a Democrat agenda. It's an agenda of the American people. We can't be two parties. We have to be one nation. I loved it. And I, and I would like to think that a lot of Democrats loved it as well, because we cannot go on with the gridlock that we have and the and the you know the enmity that we have between the parties, the divisiveness that we are, are suffering through right now. But do you think that any of them are going to change their stance as resistors uh, because the president made, uh, you know, made that gesture? Well, no, I'm pessimistic that, uh, we, particularly given uh, some of the reaction we saw of uh, mm-hmm. the, the left side of the room not willing to stand uh, up when the president uh, touted the, the statistics, the lowest unemployment for African Americans, for Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, for women, for uh, disabled Americans. They're, they're part of this uh, strong recovery of our economy, and they won't applaud that. Um, or just uh, his statement, his strong statement about moving the embassy to, to Jerusalem and about standing up against a regime that wants to wipe uh, the Jewish people from the face of the earth. And you have Nancy Pelosi reading her notes or whatever it was that she was doing behind him and not even uh, applauding for that. So that causes me to be pessimistic. Now, will any of them change on some of these items and say, look, something the president just said in that speech and something he's laid out as a priority for me as a member of Congress, uh, of the House or of the Senate, so I want to work with him on that one issue. I think it could happen. I I saw... Uh, Senator uh, Manchin from uh, West Virginia uh, applauding him on a couple particular lines that I think he's looking uh, for opportunities, and and I think you're going to see other Democrats uh, doing the same thing. The question is, will they be allowed to remain Democrats, or will they get kicked out of that party for doing so? Uh, Rob Frost is our guest. He is the chairman of the Republican Party of Cuyahoga County. Rob, I completely concur. Um, you know, when they sat on their hands, when he said, uh, like you said, uh, talked about the lowest uh, unemployment uh, statistics ever recorded for a lot of the uh, uh, subgroups in our country, including uh, minority workers and women workers and disabled and so on and so forth. And they, how do you not applaud the success of those people? Because it's they, they don't want to give success or credit, I should say, to the president for that success. Which brings me to the, the agenda moving forward. 
How can the president continue the two years of tremendous job growth, economic growth, uh, manufacturing, wages rising, and so on and so forth, when the Democrats know that if he has another two years like this that he had in the first two years, there's no way any of them, no matter who their nominee is eventually going to be from the cast of 30 or more, they're going to be able to beat him. The economy is just too good for the people to say, let's slam the brakes on that. I feel like their resistance has only just begun. Uh, I guess in a way, but look, uh, the businesses and the economy aren't waiting on Washington. Uh, the great thing, and one of the points in his speech, is the, the tremendous number of regulations they've been able to cut out, and, and cutting out more in two years than any other administration in four or even eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the economy is going to keep going strong. Uh, and the real contrast is uh, we're going strong while uh, other parts of the, the world aren't right now. Uh, and so he's taking on China in the right way. He's willing to work with our, our allies in Europe, our, our, our trading partners in Canada and Mexico, but on a fair deal for the United States, not the failed NAFTA deal. Uh, you know, let, let Europe sort out Euro, Europe's issues. We still want to trade with them, but on a, on a better, fairer playing field that protects American workers. I think he laid that out uh, exactly right. And again, I'll put myself on the side with the president, on the side of the American worker, Let's protect our borders. Let's protect our jobs. Let's build United States manufacturing. If that's got to wait a couple years, because uh, on certain initiatives, like say an infrastructure bill, uh, because the Democrats won't uh, won't work with them, well then that's too bad. But the economy, meanwhile, is going to keep going strong. Rob Frost is our guest. He's the chairman of the Republican Party of Calgary County. I loved also the message about our energy. We are a net exporter of energy uh, for the first time. Uh, you know, we are the world's largest producer of natural gas and oil. And he said these things, and again, in a room filled with, with Democrats, especially some of the, the more outspoken socialist drivers, people like uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who wants... Uh, you know, a, a new green, a green new deal rather, and she wants to wipe out mm-hmm. all of the above, all of the fossil fuel uh, industry in the United States. Anything mm-hmm. that the president was touting there, or she, excuse me, everything the president was touting there, she thinks we should slam the brakes on that, get rid of all of those jobs, and try to train these people into I don't know what, running uh, wind farms and uh, uh, and solar panels. Uh, it's an right. amazing thing to me that that we are we are work, not only working we are thriving in this in in this era or excuse me in this area of energy production more than we ever have. How could anybody want to slam the brakes on that? Well, you're exactly right. And the president, while there was a call for unity and certainly many good things to be working on, uh, things like uh, you know prison sentence, sentencing reform and eradicating AIDS and ending childhood cancer that we should all be able to agree on, it was also not a – he did not concede any ground. Um, he stated in that speech very clearly at the outset the United States is now the number one producer of oil and natural gas in the world. He stated clearly, I will never abolish our heroes from ICE. He stated clearly, as he needed to do, all children born and unborn are made in the holy image of God. These needed to be said by our president. He even had a little bit of his kind of Twitter-style bravado uh, when he said, if I had not been elected president of the United States, we would right now, in his opinion, be in a major war with North Korea. But how could you argue with him when you see what's happened and you look at what the foreign policy had been, the failed Iran nu- nuclear deal, uh, the morasses that we were in in, in Iraq and uh, and in Afghanistan? Uh, you got to say, well, you know, I hand it to him. He, he's he's given himself a little uh, bit of a victory lap there that he's got a second uh, summit coming up uh, with the leader of North Korea. Uh, and historically, I mean, this is amazing that it will be held in Vietnam. But how can you argue with that uh, that success? So this is not... 
the United States retreating from the world and uh, being jingoistic, as we were told uh, by many of the so-called uh, foreign policy experts. Uh, this is a strong, robust uh, foreign policy speech as well. So good to see uh, Mike Pompeo sitting right in the first row and, and applauding, it, particularly uh, the withdrawal, the canceling of the Iran nuclear deal. What a failed uh, deal that was. So there were things he needed to say in this speech uh, that were not conciliatory. Um, they were what we know to be right, and people either need to get on board uh, and work with us uh, or get out of the way because we've got progress we need to make in this country. So very well said. Rob Frost analyzing the President's State of the Union speech last night. It was a terrific address. Uh, I think we all give it an A. It's just a matter of to what degree. Pivoting from the President's speech last night to a speech that will be delivered on February 21st by Senator Rob Portman, who is the keynote speaker at the Lincoln Day uh, dinner. Uh, tell us all about that. Great. Thank you. It, uh, it's really going to be a great dinner. Uh, we have U.S. Senator Rob Portman as our keynote speaker, but we also will have with us the Attorney General of Ohio, Dave Yost, Secretary of State Frank LaRose, Treasurer Robert Sprague, Auditor Keith Faber, Congress members Dave Joyce, Anthony Gonzalez, Bill Johnson, Warren Davidson, our Ohio Republican Party Chairman Jane Timken. It's going to be a fabulous evening. You're going to want to be there. Uh, this is coming one week after this deadline on the wall. Rob Portman is right at the center of uh, these discussions and this uh, resolution of what we're going to be doing going forward from there. It's next Thursday. Excuse me. A week, week two from, weeks Thursday. from Thursday. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, February 21st. That's Thursday, February 21st. You still have over a week to get your tickets and get your reservation in. It's 5.30 p.m. down at the Independence Holiday Inn on Rockside. That's Thursday, February 21st, starting at 5.30 you can get your tickets at CuyahogaCountyGOP.com. I think people are going to want to be there, hear from Senator Rob Portman, hear from these other leaders of the Republican Party, including our state chairman, our members of the uh, Ohio Republican delegation to the U.S. House. Uh, how do we move forward? We have the agenda laid out for us in the State of the Union last night. It is a historic moment for this country as we head into what, what Bob, we're kicking off right now, the re-election cycle for Donald Trump. It's the 2019-2020 cycle. Uh, it's time to get busy and get this word out uh, into the streets of uh, Cuyahoga County, knocking on doors, working all throughout uh, the coming months uh, to deliver the message the president delivered from the podium in the House chamber last night. Uh, we can be great again in this country. We're on our way. We've had two strong years already. Uh, what are we doing now going forward? February 21st is going to be a time to come together stand together, stand for the wall, stand for success in this country, stand with U.S. Senator Rob Portman and us, and uh, really enjoy a great evening. I love it. It's a, you know the president delivered a message of optimism, uh, you know a message of accomplishments already, and a message of optimism of more to come. And I know that's going to be the theme at the Lincoln Day dinner as well. So again, uh, as Rob just pointed out, to get your tickets and all other information, go to CuyahogaCountyGOP.com. CuyahogaCountyGOP.com. I'm staring at the page right now, staring at the image of the Great Emancipator. Uh, the Lincoln Day dinner is coming up two weeks from tomorrow. Two weeks from tomorrow, February 21st. Get your tickets, and we hope to see you there. Rob, uh, I always appreciate catching up with you. Thanks, thanks for the uh, great analysis of the uh, State of the Union address, and uh, and hopefully we can talk again before the dinner. Would love to. And again, if people uh, can't get online, just give us a call, 216-621-5415, and we'd love to take your reservation over the phone. Look forward to seeing you then on the 21st, Bob, and seeing everybody, all your listeners out there. Outstanding, Rob. Thank you very much. Rob Frost, the chairman of the Republican Party of Calgary County, here on AM 1420. The answer, it's 10 o'clock time for news. Kurt Schlichter, senior columnist at townhall.com, has some strong thoughts on what he saw and heard last night, not just from the president, but from... 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.